Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez coming to you live from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here on another episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are telling and sharing the stories of the pioneers who are pushing this incredible industry forward. It is our mission here at the Hemp Revolution podcast to share with you the truth about cannabis and hemp and the industry that is surrounding it so that you can make empowered and educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from or otherwise preserving that incredible healthy lifestyle that you already have. If you are a budding entrepreneur looking for tools, resources, connections, um, we are able to help you by checking us out at theemeraldcircle.com. And if you are a person who's looking for products that you can trust to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks on products. In today's episode, we are going to be telling the tale and visiting the story of Jim Higdon, who is the author of Cornbread Mafia and the co-founder of the Cornbread Hemp Company. His book, The Cornbread Mafia, is about the largest domestic marijuana syndicate in American history. Over 70 men arrested on 30 farms in 10 states with 200 tons of cannabis between 1985 and 1989. He paralleled the book's success into the cannabis journalism career, writing for um, political why did I just get tongue twisted right there? <laughs> Running for multiple publications, including the Washington Post um, and many others. His co-founder, Eric, say his last name for me. Zipperly. Zipperly has an MBA from Balamere University in Louisville and an e-commerce background. They joined forces in late 2018 to launch Cornbread Hemp and to start shipping top shelf CBD products in April of 2019, one of my fellow journalists and cannabis advocates, cannapreneurs, our good friend, Mr. James Higdon. Thanks so much for joining us. How's it oh going? Gosh. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great intro. I got one, uh, one, one quick uh, check on uh, the pronunciation of, of our town. So I know in Colorado, there is a Louisville um, and so lots of people from Denver call it Louisville. It but it's is Louisville. Louisville. It's Louisville. Uh, so we, 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 get that, we get that from Denver people a lot. <laughs> Great. Now I'm dubbed a Denver person. I guess I've been here long enough that I'm okay with that. Uh, James, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this crazy rat race of the hemp and cannabis industry. So I grew up in central Kentucky. I just happened to be from this small town where this crazy thing happened where a bunch of men of my parents' generation were arrested for growing outlaw cannabis um, in, a, in a sort of a superlative, um, amazing way. And that frustrated federal law enforcement to such an extent that uh, because these, these 70 guys that got arrested is, is superlative and noteworthy on its own. But what's really crazy is that none of them talked. 
So none of them talked in exchange for a lesser sentence to point a finger. So federal law enforcement was really frustrated by it. And so instead of uh, prosecuting these guys, they could only hold a press conference and like lay out their prosecution case to the media. Uh, and in the course of that press conference in the summer of 1989, they call these guys the cornbread mafia. So that's where that term comes from. And it was sort of a, a scarlet letter for my hometown for a long time. And I was able to, to come home after uh, going to journalism school and having, getting a journalism background, uh, sort of crack that open and write the story about what really happened. And then I turned that into a journalism career. Amazing. And so as a journalist inside of the cannabis and hemp movement, share with me some of the things that have stood out to you. And I, I have to be honest, being a journalist and also a canapreneur or hemp entrepreneur, very, very different. So oh. I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit about what was it about the stories that you were capturing and writing about and sharing that inspired you to move into the actual entrepreneurial ship and of business ownership in the hemp industry? So it was about this time last year, you know, you know, October of last year, I was covering uh, the hemp harvest for Politico magazine in Washington, D.C. Um, I was out in Western Kentucky for the hemp harvest. Uh, the angle of the story at the time was the proposed felon ban in the farm bill uh, had been slipped in at the last minute as a lifetime felon ban so that no drug crime felons could participate in the hemp program at all. And so I went and reported a story um, about a place in Western Kentucky that was harvesting a hundred and some acres of hemp. And the CEO of that company was a felon, but he wasn't a drug crime felon. He was a tax evader. And so that made it okay. And in the course of that story, uh, um, managed to get a quote from someone who was, who was going to get uh, kicked out of the hemp industry because of the felon ban. And what he told me is, does it say in the farm bill that if I get caught moonshining, I'm not allowed to grow corn? So uh, that story ran about this time last year before the passage of the farm bill. And I think that my journalism in that story rolled back the final version of the, of the felon ban to 10 years instead of a lifetime. Um, but in the course of writing that story and seeing the hip harvest come in, I realized that I had one opportunity to get out of the bleachers and into the game. There was one chance to get uh, into the space in a, in a productive way, more productive than, than just being... Uh, a sideline reporter as a journalist. And so um, yeah, I emptied my, my Rolodex. I, I got an investor. Um, uh, I partnered with someone with a business e-commerce background and we went to work. Okay. So tell me about the work. What are the wins? What are the challenges? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> we, remember, we only have a set amount of time. <laughs> Uh, the wins are, we're really, we've been able to diverse, to distinguish ourselves in a very crowded market. Everyone knows that the CBD branding space is crazy crowded. There's thousands of brands. Um, buyers from retailers are very, um, guarded about, uh, taking calls from, uh, people like me cause they're just bombarded by branding, uh, people trying to get their products into shelves. So we're, we've been able to distinguish ourselves in that crowded field because of our branding, because we're named after uh, a legacy of outlaw cannabis. Um, a lot of the branding in the space is people who want to 
have their customers think that hemp is a brand new thing, that it just got sort of created. Lots of the branding is very shallow and not much more than graphic design concepts. Um, and so having a brand story that goes back, not just to the outlaw past of a generation ago, but all the way back to the 200 years of hemp growing traditions in Kentucky really helped us distinguish ourselves uh, in the space. So for starters, our branding story is deep and rich and long and something we can talk about all day. It really leads us into being able to advocate for criminal justice reform and uh, um, re you know, restorative justice in the cannabis and hemp space. So that's something that, uh, that's very uh, brand centric for us, being able to advocate for formerly incarcerated people. And as we scale up, uh, hire formerly incarcerated people as part of our growth plans. So uh, we're registered as a public benefit corporation so that we can become a certified B Corp uh, after we've accumulated enough data to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's been a win for us. Uh, product diversification is also a win. We do right now a um, high purity CBD full spectrum distillate with a sativa terpene profile. Um, and already that's unique in the space. Uh, we do a, um, we do, oh, here's, here's what that looks like. Dope. Um, I don't have any samples of my topicals handy, uh, but instead of doing a salve or a balm, we're doing a, uh, we're doing uh, lotions made from our full spectrum distillate. So it's one of the only full spectrum lotions on the market. Most lotions are isolate. And most full spectrum products are salves, but we've, we've, we've developed a method to emulsify a full spectrum distillate into a paraben free lotion that's very good. We do a 200 milligram skin lotion and a 500 milligram um, mentholated lotion for deep tissue work. Uh, and it's uh, attracted quite a, lo a loyal regular following, and we've been really successful with our lotions. Nice. Uh, and then, so in the process of doing all that, we've built sales month to month. We've been launching products since April. We've built sales month to month. We're at 100% revenue of what our initial investment was. And we've completely rebuilt our supply chain. We've lowered our cost of goods. And we're able to compete competitively, you know, competitively on price at a distributor level, as well as working with uh, talking to major retailers. So you know, there's a lot going on. And we've, we've got a couple of where we're about to introduce certified USDA organic. Um, into the supply into our product line and so that's really exciting right after uh thanksgiving we'll have usda certified organic um cbd oils at two different purity levels beautiful congratulations what an incredible evolution in such a short period of time um I'd, I'd love to know what you attribute your success to because obviously the landscape looks different for everybody. I talk to companies who are, you know, still really struggling with cash flow three years into the business. And I talk to companies who in, you know, six months are able to recover investment and get cash flow positive. What do you think? Um, you mentioned efficacy of product, product differentiation. One of the things which I'll touch on more here in a moment was how you're telling the story and the mm -hmm. history behind your brand. Um, mm -hmm. But what do you think is the key is a key differentiator for you um, and your guys' company or approach that is making this a win for you when so many other people are losing? We have the early stages of hemp, the conventional wisdom was that vertical integration was the superior method of developing this business. Mm -hmm. um, but vertical integration makes you, uh, you know, um, 
you know, what's the opposite of nimble? It makes you clumsy, right? Like you can't, it's hard to adapt to the marketplace if you're vertically integrated to do X and all of a sudden the market goes to Y. It's hard to, it's hard to pivot and move. Um, we're invested in sort of a, in the brand marketing center first, working backward. We've developed relationship with farmers and processors, but we're not doing that ourselves. So our investment is in uh, R&D, product formulation, and marketing. So we're able to much easier... Uh, we have an easier time um, moving with the market and finding with the, you know where our customers are. Uh, on the e-commerce side, um, one of the challenges that we're all facing is ad bans from uh, major platforms, Google, Facebook, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So finding ways to reach audiences um, and communicate with them by email is uh, a critical feature of uh, developing a relationship with a customer base. And um, we have to be creative about how we go about doing that sort of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, a silly ad ban is not going to stop us from uh, figuring out how to do that. How are you bridging a past the gatekeepers and retail settings? And I hear like so many different creative ways to do this. And um, I really orient this podcast. Like what's the most creative way? Like, I'd love to hear good ideas. Like how do we like <laughs> um, <laughs> go back and know. listen to some of the episodes. We break it down. <laughs> I'm gonna get on it. Yeah. yeah we, we break it down. There's a couple of really great ways. And I am, I'm probably, uh, well, I, I haven't yet found somebody who's breaking down the barriers in a better way than me so far. So I'll right. explain. I'll ex- I'll share in a minute in a minute how I'm doing it, and you can take it take it and run if you want. Well, you know, so there's nothing like a warm introduction that helps get you where you need to go. Yeah. Um, so you're leveraging your Rolodex in a lot of. It's cr- you know, as a journalist, as a journalist, I didn't. LinkedIn was more of a like a, a reach out tool for me. Um, trying to find sources, it's it's a cleaner, easier place to find people than Facebook sometimes. Yeah. Uh, You're but, like, Yo, can you talk? <laughs> right, but it's it, like LinkedIn has taken on a whole new life as doing business networking and just like reaching out and constantly connecting with people on LinkedIn. And anytime I see someone, you know, like at an event talking, I, like I, you know, I, I look them up and connect with them on LinkedIn immediately because then you have access to their network. And you can really sort of, you know, build out a business network um, in, a, in a dynamic way. I've definitely found retailers uh, that I've built relationships with uh, through LinkedIn. Yeah, awesome. Love that. I'll, I'll share a little bit with you on, on how we're doing it. So, and this ties in right along with the brand story. I literally cannot emphasize this point enough because I built my entire business off of this thing and where most people... Um, even like yourself, you mentioned getting shut down with online advertising. Everyone else is getting shut down. I'm thriving. I'm like running past the competition right now with online e-commerce marketing. And so, and it all starts with the story. I can, I, I'll get in with you offline, like specifically what we are doing to break the barriers of Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok, so on and so forth on the main stream channels. Yeah. We got banned from TikTok. <laughs> I get it. I'll teach you how. <laughs> I'll teach you how for sure. So, um, so it's all in the story, and I call it story selling. How you craft your message to meet the marketplace that you want to serve. Cannot put enough emphasis on this, and I love the history and meat 
on the bones that's behind your brand. It's, I mean, it's such a key differentiator and how that's positioned in the marketplace. So super powerful and how you attract strategic relationships based off of that. At the end of the day, whether the, whether we're talking about the weed industry or the cannabis industry of you know pre circa ninety six in in the Emerald Triangle in California or post ninety six or even post two thousand ten um, as things have been evolving and cooling and bubbling and boy I mean all of the things that have been happening over the last couple decades is pretty incredible um, but at the end of the day having the story behind who you are and what you're here to do is the most powerful differentiator. And then having those key positions um, at the end of the day, this business is all about the relationships that you build and you do that through your story, how you, you know, what your experience is, why you do what you do, the way that you do it, all of these different things. Because I mean, I'm sitting here right now holding, I mean, this, this box is USDA organic products that range from body lotions to, you know, lip salves. It doesn't, that there is no new ideas. It, there's only ways to innovate and mm-hmm. create a culture, right? A cult following around who you are, what you stand for and what your branded business is setting out to do. Um, so I will definitely share more with you about how we've gotten shut down off of Facebook and our accounts brought right back up, how we lost messenger lists of 460,000 people and got it back up, Um, you know, kicked off of Instagram, TikTok, every single one of these channels, Google, and brought right back up. I can share with you all of the different ways that we've been able to do that because I know that advertising is one of the biggest challenges in building the business, especially if you want it to be e-com rich. Well, right. I mean, e-commerce has got to be uh, is a key component of this. Uh, you know, it's, it's about balancing e-commerce and retail yeah. and reaching consumers like where they want to be. Like some people, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, CBD is a funny product. Uh, some people want to buy it online and have it delivered directly to the door, and yes. some people want to show up at a shop and pay cash so that it's not on their credit card. Yep. You know, it's it's you got to meet them. You got to meet people where they are on it. So yeah, e-commerce, is, e-commerce is a key part of, um, of getting to them. And there's, you know, it's crazy to me. I was just emailing with a journalist, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's, it's a bigger story that these tech companies have terms of service that are behind the times of federal law. And yeah. there's no reason for it to be like FedEx won't ship a CBD product, but UPS will. It's, it's arbitrary and, you know, just, it would be hilarious if it wasn't getting in our way every single day. Yeah. Like reaching the people that, that ought to be reached. And Amazon won't allow CBD on the packaging, but what it will allow hemp on the packaging. So you have some legit CBD brands relabeling product that, so it doesn't say CBD so they can sell it on Amazon, plus a bunch of uh, you know, fly-by-night snake oil people who are just using hemp seed oil and calling it 3,000 milligram hemp oil and charging nine ninety nine for it. You know, it's just, it's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I would agree that there's, that there are quite a bit of points of, uh, quite a few points of frustration when it comes to 
um, transparency and honesty in the industry. That's probably been one of my biggest challenges is hearing hearing terms that are not properly um, being used or hearing, um, hearing, you know, mislabeling, you know, just, just not having that full transparency and honesty, which is why I like working with um, this merchant processor that I'm working with right now. They are partnered with, you know, mainstream banks in uh, New York City and their compliance checks, you have to have up-to-date, you know, within the last 60 days, COAs for every product, every batch, you know, the compliance piece that they build into the whole thing takes out so much of the guesswork for both consumer, um, but also to keep things being, you know, mainstream banks interested in, in building the business with you. What are some of your favorite stories that you like to tell, um, that you like to tell or share when it comes to the industry. Once a journalist, always a journalist. So I know that you're certainly a part of the buzz that's going out into the space. What are some of the key points of focus that you have on behalf of your business, but also on behalf of the industry? Because I know you're still working on her behalf too. Well, you know, I think you said before this whole industry is based on relationships. It's a whole new industry where all these people have flooded into the space from every different walk of life, every different past profession. Uh, lots of them are good-natured, good-willed, trustworthy people. And there's also straight-up criminals. And sometimes it's difficult to tell those people apart. Um, and you don't know who you're dealing with until you're dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, one of the important things is going out to some of these expos and conventions just to meet people and do real, you know, in the flesh networking with folks because there's really no substitute for it. Um, we were just at a, um, we went to Tennessee to the Southern Hemp Expo. Yeah, the She Expo. The She Expo was put on by the same people who do the NOCO. Yeah. Um, and ended up meeting people from Chicago to help us, uh, you know, get our roots into the Chicago market. Uh, so, you know, we, we went to, we went to Nashville to get into Chicago, but that's, you know, like that's the nature of, of, of the networking part of this, um, yeah. of this industry. I went to uh, Oregon to get tied into the Bahamas. So <laughs> this is like, it makes sense. <laughs> makes no sense at all. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess it's still somewhat of a breadcrumb industry, right? Like back in the day, I remember being in um, California and, you know, you knew one guy who had to call a guy who had to get in touch with somebody else so that they could get you what you were looking for. And now it's, it's a similar process, but it's, but everybody has a somebody and everybody has something that is the best on the marketplace. And they're and on LinkedIn. There's quite a bit more discernment. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's still, you know, there's still a lot going on with like hemp flower shopping for hemp flower. Yeah. Online um, in bulk is is a very um, troublesome process because there's no good open market for uh, hemp flower. Uh, no grading process. No way to know um, you know like you know how and where it was cured. You know, there's just all these open questions on and, and then compliance. Like what what like to like where is it compliant? Um, you know, Oregon compliance or Colorado compliance is different than yeah. Kentucky compliance. And now these USDA regs that just come out, uh, uh, the senators from Oregon, Wyden and uh, Merkley, uh, just uh, 
sent comment to the USDA asking for a pre-decarboxylation testing standard um, for uh, the THC <clears throat> because the one they proposed, the Kentucky-style post-decarbox 0.30 standard is just going to be brutal. Like, you know, the industry uh, is really going to hurt next year if that's the standard by which we're growing. Yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree. I've watched even just in the last couple of months, people go into panic mode. And if there's one thing I can convey from this episode is don't fucking panic, people. (laughs) Stop panicking. (laughs) That's when you drown. No, you have to like... I've been a part of this industry for so long that you think the sky is falling every day. You're chicken little and you think the sky is falling and they just have to be go on the off the like full end of the extreme to come back to center. Um, and it takes a lot of industry advocates who can educate on the process to make all of those things possible. But I, in the last couple of months, people have just been panicking around the new release with regulations and dumping the prices dumping the quality, all this shit product is going into the marketplace unfinished. It's awful. And it's only going to validate what they're afraid of. If everybody panics and makes a move from panic, you're going to sink the ship. So chill, people chill. I would encourage, uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone in the industry is is sending comment to the USDA. That email address is farmbill.hemp at usda.gov. And especially for your Colorado audience, people need to be contacting Senator Cory Gardner's office and, and, and letting them hear it because Senator Cory Gardner is in a tough re-election race. And if he asks Mitch McConnell to tell the USDA to back off on this testing, it might actually get done. Agreed. All of you guys who are listening, please, I, I encourage you anyways. Everybody always asks me, well, how can I get involved in the industry? Well, you can start by getting involved in your local municipalities and start finding out what your local government is up to, who are your advocates, who are your friends in the space, and shore up with them. This is really going to take a community effort in order to see legalization truly uh, realized, let alone regulation that allows for fair business to be able to grow and thrive. So please, please, please get involved and find out what your local laws are. Stop worrying about the macro picture and look at the micro picture because every one step gets us that much closer to the goal that we are all working towards. Um, In this segment, you generally in these interviews, James, we do something called the words of wisdom. And I love to add the value to our community. We've talked a little bit about the challenges. We've talked a little bit about the key differentiators. And for budding entrepreneurs or people who are standing on the sidelines, maybe they have money, maybe they have farms, maybe they have um, a unique skill set and they want to get involved in the industry, but perhaps they're a little gun shy and don't quite know how to get started. What would be some key pieces of advice that you could offer them um, while they are trying to figure out how to join this incredible industry? You know, it's, it's, it's about asking questions with people that you're like, you know, if, if there's a, a, a role in a space, like no, there's nothing like reaching out and talking to people, you know, um, and, so, and people around here are reaching out to me and asking me these similar questions. And a lot of times I don't have answers for what they're trying to do, but I'm happy to, you know, give them a couple minutes to talk to help like point them in the right direction. Um, you know, business owners are asking me, is it okay for me to put CBD in 
uh, a beverage? Will the, you know, the, will the, the FDA come and take me down? And, you know, I explained to them that it's, it's the, the health department in their, in their town that they're most worried about and they should reach out to them because that's the, where the enforcement would happen. So people, you know, like, need to understand like this concept of what the business, what they're doing, what aspect of government does it, does it come up against? Who's the regulatory body? Because, you know, if you're a farmer and you're trying to get a license to grow hemp, that's really easy. You know, you need a hemp license to grow it. Uh, so you go to the ag department to get a license. But if you're retailing or, um, you know, try, you know, trying to get into e-commerce, you need to figure out like, you know, how you're interacting with the real world and what the challenges, the unique challenges are for the CBD space are, um, you know, so, so that when you grow your business, you can be nimble and flexible because the business models are changing when, when, when new regulations come out, we all have to adapt. And so even if you're aiming for something, you have to be prepared to, to, you know, alter course if, if, uh, if the market moves. Yeah. Absolutely. I, um, I will second that. Generally, I do little three key points, but I love this theme of macro versus micro. Everyone, the, the conversation that is happening right now and the movement that is happening is macro, but the difference that you can make starts with the micro choices that you make and the micro awareness that you find. For instance, who is going to govern the next choice that I make? Honestly, the FDA and the FTC aren't even going to bother with you until you start putting dents in bank accounts, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding that what your local government is doing, your health department, the ag department, you know, the Department of Revenue, all of these different people are working together to create regulation around how they want your city or state to operate. Find it, get plugged in, get some first name basis happening, find out how you can get involved in that level. If you have a skill set, tie into a company that's already capitalized. If you have capital, Find somebody who actually knows what the F they're talking about and get verified results and references from them before you put your heart and money behind them. Um, and then finally, once the conversation does become macro and you see that the ripple effect of your efforts are in fact making a difference, then you can start to get involved with the macro challenges that are associated with this industry. And from now until then, Focus on what's right in front of you. Put the blinders on. Get really familiar with what's happening in your local environment and start to participate with your time and energy before your money and financial you know, capabilities. Get involved with your time and energy to figure out where the gaps are in your community and work to fill those gaps. Um, it's not always about creating a new set of problems, but finding a way to solve the ones that are already in existence that will help you be the most successful. That's what I love about your company, James, is not only do you have the story behind what you're doing, but you filled a gap in the industry. Like there wasn't a, a, a few months ago, there were not lotions like this that were full body lotions that were both male and female friendly. And now you're going to move into USC organic, like such an exciting time for you. Where can people find more about your books or products? That's great. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, for books, like always go talk to your local uh, independent bookseller about Cornbread Mafia and have them uh, buy copies and stock copies of the Cornbread Mafia. We're also doing some really interesting business with, with bookstore retailers selling the Cornbread Mafia book and the Cornbread Hip product side by side. Independent bookstore retailers are always interested in diversifying their shelf space. 
Um, and, and, and CBD is a great way to do that, but they need to do it in an honest way. That's, that's, um, that makes sense to their business. So connecting CBD products with, with a book is, is really sort of, uh, right up a bookseller's alley. So first, you know, talk to your, like, if you have a relationship with a bookseller, talk to them about cornbread, cornbread, hemp, cornbread mafia, but it's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon, audiobook on Amazon, audible.com. Uh, there's a new edition of the book that just came out earlier this year with a new final chapter. So make sure you get the updated edition. Um, for the Cornbread Hemp, we're at uh, cornbreadhemp.com is the easiest place to find us or at Cornbread Hemp on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so follow us at Cornbread Hemp on, on those platforms. But, uh, you know, just, you know, we do a lot of, we do a lot of business on e-commerce on, at cornbreadhemp.com. So and that's, the, that's, the, that's the best place to reach us. Amazing. All of the different social handles as well as the websites that were just mentioned for both literature and product will be listed inside of the blog post that is surrounding this video here. Make sure that you subscribe and take a special note at our show notes and highlights from today's show. Any final words before we do the close, James? Oh no, you got it. So you take it away. All right. Sounds good. I want to thank all of you guys who are tuning in to the Hemp Revolution podcast and being a part of this incredible movement to ensure that the highest quality products are being brought to the marketplace and that people just like you can benefit from all of the incredible cannabinoids that are made available through these products through the pioneers that are pushing this incredible industry forward. If you liked today's episode, make sure that you share it around and subscribe to your favorite method of being able to get more information just like this. If you're a budding entrepreneur, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for resources, relationships, tips, tools, and tricks that you can use to navigate your way through this crazy but totally incredible industry. And if you are a person looking for products you can trust, check us out on medicalsecrets.com for our favorite picks. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is the Hemp Revolution Podcast. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.